This is Jenner, and we are continuing our Humanity First series, which is changing slightly. The mission is the same, uh, but we have to uh, change our strategy a little bit <laughs> for hopefully obvious reasons. My guest today is the wonderful David Kim. He is running for Congress in uh, California's 34th Congressional District. David, thank you so much for making the time to hang out with me today. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's a great pleasure to just be on here, talk about um, why this campaign election season is important and, and what we can do about it. I love it, man. So we'll uh, we'll get into the origin story a little bit, but at the most important question is why? Why are you running? Yeah, um, I mean, plain and simple, I mean, I can go ahead and give background to it all later, but plain and simple, we have masses of people working two to three jobs, still struggling to make ends meet. 78% of our people live on paychecks month to month. Um, everybody's financially shackled. We have a 30-year income disparity. We have corporate interests. Um, invading and buying out the interests and welfare of our people, and nobody's doing anything about it. And so when we continue to elect and re-elect career politicians into office, when we allow campaigns to be corporately funded, nothing ever will change. And we only have even eight to 12 years left for reversing climate change. So we're in some highly sensitive and crucial times. And there's no other time like this where all of us really need to be conscious and aware of what's going on and how we actually need to take our power back as the people. And so what, um, so I mean, so in, in that, in that case, in that event, um, what, what sort of propelled me to run was I had been helping out on past congressional campaigns for the same district against the same current congressman, um, having worked on Kenneth Mejia's campaign in 2018 and then Robert Ahn's campaign in 2017 against the same current congressman. I was actually trying to get Kenneth to run again for Congress in the 2020 election because um, he did really well in the last election. He had although running as a Green Party member, um, he and, and although there's only 0.8% in our district who are registered as Green, he ended up winning 28% of the total vote of the general election. And so that showed us and it obviously that our current congressman wasn't even being accepted by a third of Democrats that are registered in the district. And, and it's also to show that our voter base is also becoming smarter. We're not we're not as apathetically disengaged as we were before, although there still needs to be some improvement. But even that's getting better where now our voter base is also being more conscious, waking up and realizing, holy shit, like what are we doing with the government right now and what's going on around us? Um, we really need to elect people that are actually living in the midst of us who know what the real struggles are and we need to set congressional term limits we need to do all of this and so while i was trying to get kenneth to run again in the in the 2020 election he was so burnt out and tired and he said that he wasn't going to run again and so while trying to find other candidates to run um i decided to just throw in my hat and just run even though i myself have a a really busy life um, working as a local organizer, being a, a neighborhood council president at the time, um, uh, working full time as an attorney, um, doing all the extracurricular curriculars I had. But what sort of pushed me into that was the urgency of our American people being financially shackled, our generation having the worst standard of living ever, not being able to have any savings to buy like what our parents did in their generation, um, being laden with student debt and whatnot. Um, and, but then kind of coupled with that was seeing Andrew Yang um, kind of surging up with this idea of universal basic income, which I had been exposed to and knew of before the whole Joe Rogan um, kind of blow up with that. Um, and so I was, I was tracking him from before, but 
it wasn't until when I saw the whole Yang Gang movement growing, I was like, oh my gosh, so anybody can really run for office. Like, he's breaking the notion of the idea of only career politicians being elected to being electable and elected to office. And I know that had started with AOC for me when she had won in 2018. And I, and I thought, wow, that's great. That's amazing. Like we, the people can take our power back. And, and so I, I guess that, that, that flame had started back then, but then with the whole UBI movement and Andrew Yang's kind of surging and then Bernie coming back again and and fighting for the people it sort of kindled that flame into a fire and then kind of while observing the first few democratic debates it was just like this this pull of the heart saying all right David it's time to run for office you're running for LA do it and so we ended up joining the race really late uh, we launched our website the first week of October um, and I had to resign from being neighborhood council president and I'm still a current sitting board member, um, because I just had to focus all of my time on this campaign. But, um, despite entering the race late, we ended up raising $37,000 by the end of December, 2019, which is incredible given the fact that, um, Another candidate who's also running a 100% grassroots corporate free people power campaign like us, um, she joined the race like almost a little under a year before we did. And I think her numbers were 57,000, so just 20,000 more than us. And so um, so given that, like we, we did really well. Um, there's five candidates in the current uh, congressional race. Four of them are Democrats, including myself, um, the candidate who I just mentioned about raising 57000 around, um, the current congressman, and then um, another candidate who um, is, is, is a good candidate. Um, and so that's us four. And then there's the fifth candidate who's a Republican. Um, she'll end up not winning in the general election ever because wow. our district is 70 to 80% blue. Um, but what I think, what I think is going to happen might be very interesting, Jenner. And, and you're the first person that I'm actually saying this publicly to. Um, and I, hopefully this prediction is right, but what I feel like what's going to happen, Jenner, is because we have four Democrats running, including the current congressman, it could sort of be a toss up in the sense of if you look at our L.A. County ballot or other district ballots that are in our area, we are probably the I mean, besides Katie Hill's special election race, that's obviously a given they probably have 20 candidates running in that one. But besides that one, we're the only probably congressional candidate. I'll go check after this, but we're probably the only congressional candidate race where um election race where you have more than or three or more Democrats running against a Democratic incumbent. And so that in and of itself says a lot for our district. And it shows definitely it definitely communicates a message to the voters in our district of, oh, my gosh, why are there so many challengers to the current incumbent? And then if they were to do a little kind of background research, they'll find out that he lost a third of his votes to a Green Party candidate two years ago. But what's interesting, though, is to note that this, the fact that we have four Democrats running in the primary, this upcoming primary, could mean that it could split up the votes entirely a lot, where we could actually even have the chance or possibility of knocking out the incumbent from being top two in the upcoming February 22nd through March 3rd election here in California. Because for us, um, the only the top two candidates, since we're a top two ranked choice system, only the top two candidates in this primary election get to move on to the mm -hmm. November election. And so given that there's a strong, there is a possibility that um, the incumbent could get knocked out from being top two. Um, and having said that, what are my chances um, for, for congressional races, unfortunately, we don't have polling like they do for presidential races. So there's no real way to gauge it. Um, but just kind of just numbers wise and, and doing all of that. I mean, it's, it's a very kind of based on, based on constituency and communities that each candidate is involved in. 
um, I have a really strong chance for third or second. Um, the other candidate who started campaigning um, a little under a year before I did, who raised 20000 more, um, her, I'm not, although she's, She's, she does great things. She's a great local organizer. I don't think her community base and outreach is as expansive as mine. Um, and in the sense that I am um, the only Korean language, Korean descent candidate in the race. And so that means I automatically have all of Koreatown votes with me. And, um, and, I, and, and I know I'm not, I'm not taking a stance on racial politics or, or whatnot, but it's just sort of a given back that in LA, when you have a Spanish speaking candidate, the communities behind that candidate rally behind and vote for that candidate. The Korean speaking candidate gets all of the, the votes from Koreatown and whatnot. And so just by that alone, um, that's why my chances are second or third. But then to bolster that, our team has been out there canvassing. We've canvassed um, about up to seven, 8,000 residences already. Um, in the last election, just to kind of give you a number to gauge, in the last election, a total of 150,000 uh, registered voters voted. Um, so that's to give you that. Um, and then, so we've canvassed to about a little under 8,000 residences. We've text banked about a little under 9,000 people. We've sent email blasts to um, to numbers even more than that. Um, we have um, a subscriber list just like um, any other candidate would. And so we've been sending out email blasts to that. Um, in addition, we've also um, put our candidate statement into the voter sample booklet. So the LA County uh, uh, Registrar's Office, they put out a new they redesigned their voter sample booklet and they made the front and back in color so people would notice it when they receive it. And so this voter sample booklet, it it contains kind of instructions on where to go for polling locations. And then it also contains a sample ballot of what the actual ballot would look like. So registered voters can uh, circle in their choices, fill in their choices, and then, and then just take that sample ballot to the polling location when they vote. Um, but behind the sample ballot also is a section for candidate statements. And um, LA County, in order to add a 250-word candidate statement, a candidate has to pay $6,600 to have that 250-word statement displayed in English, and then another $6,600 to have that candidate statement displayed in, in Spanish. And so that's a total of $13,200 for a 250-word statement. And so when I first learned about that, I was like, oh my gosh, how is any poor person or working class person ever able to run for office? I mean, given the fact that it was impossible, I mean, it seemed impossible. I was, I was making calls to potential donors before driving to work during my lunchtime and then after work because I also have a day job because I need to pay bills. And so I was just thinking without really like being able to do that and having a team, like how is anybody who has no team able to even fundraise that much? But then, so kind of us even only having the limited funds that we have in comparison to the incumbent who has a campaign war chest of at least $800,000 with 8.8% per, 8 .8 of that being from banks, pharmaceutical companies, healthcare companies, developers, etc. How like we, so we needed to be fiscally conservative with spending our money. And so back in October, November, when um, the deadline was coming up to submit the candidate statements, I literally called all my close family and friends, all my campaign team coordinators, and I talked with each of them wanting their input on, hey, do you think it's worth it to do this candidate statement? Do you think it's worth it? Do you think it's worth it? We went through all the pros. We went through all the cons. And at the end of the day, on the last day, we, we submitted our 250-word statement. And the, <laughs> I guess the reason why I'm taking so much to explain this is, believe it or not, um, I, before I get to the believe it or not part, at a at a at another candidate event following that, I saw one of my opponents, not the current congressman, but just one of the other opposing candidates. She came up to me, and the first thing she said was, "Hey, David, did you submit the 250-word statement and pay that?" And I said, 
yeah, I did. And she had the most, she had the biggest disappointed look on her face ever. And she said, oh man, I should have done that. I knew I should have done it. I knew I should have done it. And then she walked off and I didn't think much of it. But then the voter sample booklets, they were actually mailed to all of us about two weeks ago. And when we opened it up, we noticed that for our congressional race, I was the only candidate out of the five candidates to submit a candidate statement for our race. But then like for other races, LA County supervisor races, multiple candidates in their race submitted their um, statements like influential politicians like Herb Wesson and Holly Mitchell. Like, and so it really showed me firstly, like I rumor has it that our current congressman was lazy, but I didn't know he was that lazy where his campaign team didn't even put in a 250 word statement while um, other incumbents did in other races. And so that was just kind of another kind of surprise, but then also um, an affirmation of rumors that I've heard about him being really lazy um, or at least his team or whoever it is. Um, But then kind of in the sense of kind of piggybacking on what I had said earlier, I feel like our voters are becoming, our, our voters are a lot smarter and that's not, I'm not talking intelligence wise, but because they've consciously chosen to be more aware and to be more educated in the process. I've had people in the past week cold call messaging me on Facebook or Twitter or an Instagram saying, Hey David, I was doing my research on candidates to vote for. And, um, I saw your statement being the only one in the, in the sample booklet. And I did research and like, just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate your effort to communicate your stance and to introduce yourself to us. I'm voting for you. And so I've been getting a lot of these cold call responses. And so it just made me think, Holy shit, Maybe it is possible to snag first in this primary election um, because now our voters are a lot smarter and um, I'm the only candidate who had a candidate statement in the sample booklet. Or or maybe there could be a situation where where the, the Republican candidate and I end up being top two in the primary uh, race and then us to advance to the general election. And because our district is 70 to 80 percent blue anyway, I would automatically beat her in November. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that would be a perfect win win scenario. I mean, just the perfect scenario just all around. And so, um, so yeah, so that's just kind of our, where we're at right now with the campaign. Um, we texted, we had our text bank party today. We're text banking tomorrow again as well. Um, and, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where we're at on the status of that. And, um, we're excited and, um, uh, the, the elections actually, the bail and ballots were already mailed out two weeks ago, uh, but the polling locations open, um, in exactly one week. And so, um, so yeah, that's where we're at right now, Jenner. I love it, man. And um, just absorbing all of that here, kind of contemplating silently, it really is like the biggest threat to democracy right now is not the establishment. It's not corruption. The biggest, the biggest barrier to our democracy actually functioning as it's supposed to is actually just apathy. It's low information voters. It's people who aren't engaged. It's people who've lost faith in the process, who don't see anybody on the stage that they feel represents them. And on, on a shallow kind of superficial level, I mean, you, you mentioned this about appealing to the, to the Korean community as well. Obviously we're going to vote for that guy because he, he looks like us. He sounds like us. He, he's one of us, you know, and th- this is the the thing that made Andrew Yang so fucking dangerous to the establishment is because he wasn't playing any of those games. He was in, he was engaging and firing people up and mm. getting them, you know, high information, high EQ, getting Word. to where we're bringing humanity back into it. We're treating each other like people again. And we're talking about the actual problems instead of the tribal loyalties and all the all the fake bullshit is which is how politics has run in this country for so long and this this is this feels real like this when you see real or organically grown grassroots shit and when people see like oh wait like it's not all totally rigged like if if the 99 percent of these people who were just 
lazy and didn't care or didn't have the message put in front of them in a way that was like easy to digest. Like we'd win hands down every time. It's just because of this, this apathy, this laziness, this kind of almost willful ignorance of the process, just because people are so disillusioned with the whole fucking thing and seeing this reemergence of, of like, I'm calling Andrew's campaign the most successful campaign in American history because oh, it did Lord. that. It engaged people. It broke Thank down God. the barriers between the parties. And we cannot let that, like, we can't let him dropping out of the race affect that. Like, that we absolutely have to continue. And that's going to be with whoever the front runner is, whoever's running for Congress and in, in, in small and local governments. I'm going to do everything in my human powers to continue the fight to carry the torch for Andrew to bring humanity first back into fucking politics because god damn it we need it and it doesn't have to be like this oh you know you're one of us because your skin's like mine or, or you're one of us because you came from the place that you know my family came from it, it's like you're one of us because you're a goddamn human yeah and I, I think that that message is just so so powerful it's yeah. It's unstoppable, and that's why and, I mean people are going to still vote for vote for him in the primaries because like, they're think, not going to give up on that. Yeah, and I think I think you nailed it on the dot with that observation um, that you had just articulated in the sense that with Andrew bringing that and and kind of declaring and reminding people that hey guys, everyone's equal. There's not one soul less than another. Like it's humanity first. And like, um, I mean, he always talks about how the value of a person is, shouldn't be attached to the economic value of how much they make or whatnot. Like there's some, there's, it goes beyond that. And like, he uses examples for that. But I think with this whole movement and campaign, it sort of reminded people in the sense of, yo, like I am important. We are important. Like we do have rights, like, yes, what's going on. And, and it's sort of in a way, like, in like in a way it's like naturally fanning the flame and waking us up and kind of riling up that that light in us as opposed to just saying come on stop showing apathy to politics get interested i mean but he did it without even in saying that in words but was able to really touch to the heart and core of our souls and hearts and so i think that's what's um, that's that I think you nailed it on the dot, and that's what connected with each of us because it was just um, so kind of putting putting each human being at the at the forefront at the center of of his campaign and and his and obviously based on that that's why you have you see his platform and you see so many practical issues and solutions that are that are really there to for the people in that sense and so. Um, whether it be with democracy dollars or whether it be with UBI um, and and all of that. And so I think that's the thing that's really important to stress is to really kind of show people like, hey, guys, I know we have a lot of different communities and groups and whatnot. But one thing that's for sure is that we're all suffering right now and no one's doing anything. And, and now I'm kind of talking in the vernacular of our campaign, but we're all suffering right now. We all look different, but we all have this common element. And that's the common element of being human, of, of, of living together in this country, of living together in this district, of having these struggles that are hitting your community and my community. So let's collectively come together and step up together and, and really come to be our own coalition in electing people who really care about the people where where we're not electing people to office based on how much money they can raise, but where we're electing people because we genuinely connect with each candidate's values and 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 issues and where the litmus test is whether or not this person does have a heart and vision for the people and is able to see every human being as one human race. And so I think I think that's this that's the thing that Andrew kind of really 
um, hammered in. I know, I know a lot of people will, I mean, obviously he brought UBI to the conversation. He brought, um, democracy dollars and, and other great ideas to the conversation and, 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 um, and his practical issues. But I think what, what was greater was the fact that he was able to connect the greater humanity and, and people from all backgrounds. And like, it was funny because when we were canvassing, we would be knocking on different Republican doors, libertarian doors, democratic doors. And I mean, the only candidate where we heard the name kind of being said from people from different parties was Andrews because um, a lot of these people, like when canvassing, they would openly share who they were voting or supporting for president. And um, yeah, I, from, from those who we've canvassed and those from different party lines and parties, um, Andrew was the only name that they had said. So, so yeah, so that's, that's a given fact for sure. Yeah. It really is this, um, like once you see, once you see the light to sound kind of trite, it's, it makes it (laughs) viscerally impossible to force yourself back into that lesser of two evils thing. It's like, I can't in, in good faith, you know, use the power of my vote to support somebody who doesn't really represent me. This is how we got 2016 is because the establishment was like, no, obviously we're going to, we're going to have Hillary. We're going to put the thumb on the scale for Hillary because she's the obvious winner. And ha- most of the country's just like, fuck you. That's not how this works. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, they seem to be making uh, similar missteps this time around, but ho- hopefully there's enough time for a course correction. Um, but I, I mean, I've been saying it since I, I started this humanity first series the, a while back and I've been saying since the beginning that, like, Humanity First is going to win the election, okay? And that's regardless of whether Andrew actually wins or not, because this, this is unstoppable. You can't get people to go back to playing the shallow bullshit game when they've seen the light for the first time, you know, when they've seen the power of treating each other as as people again. You know, we lost so much of that in our in our social discourse, and and seeing it reclaimed in this way is like I we cannot let this go this absolutely regardless of whatever Andrew does because he's he definitely has a future in politics I think that's that's a safe bet mm-hmm. but what whatever he does we need to continue this this as using this as the the weapon to wield the uh legendary weapon you know the <laughs> uh, to use our RPG rhetoric uh, but <laughs> that that really is like th- this is the the ultimate weapon that will destroy <laughs> you know the establishment uh it, in a really beautiful and and creative way and that's why i mean i've been saying this since the beginning that's why they've tried at every last step to keep him off the screen to shut him up to say no 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 you can't you can't go there a lot of people were trying to play to say this was like a race thing i'm like no 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 look look at fundamentally what he's trying to do look at how how radically he's actually trying to transform our political discourse or actually is doing it. It's not trying to, he didn't even have to, he just did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, I'm rambling at this point. But no, it, no, no, no. that Like you can't, you can't put people back to sleep mm-hmm. on this. And uh, I, I've been running damage control on this because I, I saw the potential for what was going to happen mm-hmm. because of the coalition that Andrew built that was so diverse, that was so ideologically diverse, people coming from all over the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he dropped out, you have this rhetoric from, you know, the Democratic establishment side that like, no, you need to toe the line. You need to pick one of the you need to pick one of the shitheads at the top of the list to beat Trump. And I'm going, you guys, but you're you that messaging that you're using right there is so dangerous because what you're doing, you're re-alienating all those people. Yeah. Every last one exactly. of them. Yes, exactly. Dehumanizing them again. Yes. Proving to them that the system is broken. Yeah. We need to lead with compassion and humanity first, okay? Mm-hmm. And care about the parties later, or preferably yeah. never. I think the parties are fucking bullshit. But yeah, yeah th- this is why this feels so... I was, I was a Green Party member last year. Yeah, but anyhow. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm not really a hardcore Democrat. I mean, in that sense, 
but it's just in order to win in our district, you need to run as Democrat. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I'm an independent. I've always been fiercely independent. Um, I tend to vote Democrat, but it really is that like, well, yeah, if you're going to have a chance, it totally made sense for Andrew to run on the Democratic ticket. But now yeah. kind of in retrospect, I'm like, well, shit, maybe he should have run on the Republican ticket. He would have fucking killed it. Oh, <laughs> Can you got imagine? It. Got, it. got it. Got it. How how different this race would be playing out if he was on the Republican side. I mean, this that just that blows my mind. Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't even think of that at all. Wow, I just went down a couple rabbit holes. Okay, that's cool. Right? People are like, what if he what if he runs independent or what if he runs independent? What if he runs third party? What if we start a humanity first party? And I'm like, no. What if he ran against Trump? And they go, <gasps> I'm like, yeah. Think of how that would go. So, uh, Andrew, if this is getting in your ear, man, yeah. I know you just suspended. You didn't technically drop out. So that, that, that might be a strategy worth thinking about. Because uh, if you go up against Trump in uh, in fucking, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get the Republican nomination, and then and then it would be like between him and Bernie or him and uh, wh- whoever. I mean, just for fuck's sake, I really hope it's not Bloomberg. If DNC makes that fucking mistake, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Welcome yeah. to my life. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It, it is great. This is and this is why it's so good to just like kind of vent and unpack and also just like get the ideas out there. This is kind of the power of this platform mm-hmm. is that you don't have to pay six thousand dollars, you know, to get two hundred and fifty characters or words or whatever on this show. It's just like yeah. this is fucking real. And um, you know, I've this has been my message to the Yang Gang content creators from day one. It's like, well, if they're not creating the media that we want to see in the world let's gandhi this shit we need to create the media that we want to see in this world so it's personal empowerment man it's standing up and saying no like fuck that (laughs) so i i love that you're one of these people and you're you're actually fucking throwing your hat in the race and running for congress and can actually really radically transform yeah the la area which huge huge yeah and 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 with our yeah and with our with with what the bleak kind of the harsh reality that's the realities that we have right now like we have in our district we have seven thousand people who are homeless in skid row just living on skid row we have sixty thousand people in our county sleeping in their cars sleeping in parks under bridges with no homes Um, we had 1.2 billion dollars approved in funding for housing a few years ago yet out of that 1.2 billion dollars only 22 units were built so far and in the next three years only 22 more units will be built but yet by the time three years have passed again there will probably be more than 80,000 who are homeless and so it's like dude like we really need to stop like things must change and like we like we need to have people that really care for the people because without having a roof on our on our heads like can we really call our government one that's for the people of the people and by the people like like what's our function we failed as a government then if we have several tens of thousands in hundreds of thousands of people sleeping on the streets like we failed and so it's it's kind of bringing light to these conditions i mean it's not about blaming pointing fingers or whatnot but it's kind of bringing these issues on the table and saying hey guys here's a solution we need to act now and so it's whether it be with bringing in the idea of more collectivized living arrangements or federal funding or mobile modular units which would cost a fraction of what's being put into these housing units right now or or whether it be coming implementing ubi where like we're eliminating where where three out of four people who live in poverty aren't even able to get assistance to any welfare or safety net programs. What about them? Um, what about those who are trapped at their minimum wage jobs? And like, um, and and kind of all around. Like I, I guess in 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 one sentence, what I would say is like I feel like the slavery of today is financial slavery in all aspects, and that's brought on by by different elements, whether it be with corporate interests in every single industry with food, chemicals and everything else, or whether it be with money, um, corporate money in politics with developer politician relationships and whatnot. In the end, like the people that are suffering are the people, I mean, the people who, I mean, obviously the people who are suffering are just 
all of us, like the civilians, the masses, and like we're being financially enslaved and 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 kind of and we're 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 being quiet and not realizing what's happening. Um, but but then what I really love about AOC and Andrew Yang, um, I mean, me and AOC probably won't agree on if I when I end up in Congress, we probably won't agree on every issue. But but I still look up to her because she's still a person for the people. And Andrew Yang is a person for the people. And so like when we have these notable people rising up and really kind of recognizing, yo, guys, like we're all in this together. There's no me against you like let's let's put our minds together and come up with practical solutions on how to address things and so i think andrew definitely revived that brought brought in people from all sorts of backgrounds people who who didn't even vote for like an entire decade who who yeah. <laughs> registered to vote and whatnot like that's amazing like and so i think that's what it is and like and um and i still think like i mean yeah the apathy is the greater underlying cause of it all but but why like what happened to cause all of that and like what 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 did we forget about and like i think what andrew yang's campaign mm. kind of came out and said was hey guys we forgot about like the people like when we're actually supposed to be running for the people we forgot about the people and like we're they're humans like we're humans and like we we really need to put like human beings our people first and like that's what he really just plain out and said and that's it was a simple message but a powerful one and that's how it became such a mobilizing one at that the most powerful message that you could have as a politician because it's 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 doing the same thing as like going up there without a tie it's saying no i'm not going to play this fucking game if you have an answer it better be a good one because all the ones on the table are too little too fucking late get your shit together guys we need that and i this 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 the apathy comes from i think mostly loss of hope in the process they're just so disillusioned they see it as so broken it's not worth fighting for and this is where I got to like bust out my little colonial hat and say, no, it's time to go fucking 1776 on these motherfuckers and take the torch of freedom, you know, to reclaim our fucking democracy for once and for all and say, no, we're not going to accept this. And it, it took it took pulling at those heartstrings, those like, you know, finding Nemo little crying at kids movies. It took pulling those heartstrings to get people to go, oh, my God, I'm a human. You're a human. And we, we can't stop that. So, like, that's what this series, I think, ultimately is just going to be about, is about returning to bringing a, a sense of humanity and compassion back into our political discourse. And then I am I'm was inspired to do a whole second series on just reclaiming patriotism. I'm like, what does it mean? What does the fucking engraving on the on the base of the Statue of Liberty, what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. What do the words of Martin Luther King mean to you? What do our what what are our founding principles? You know, mm -hmm. and how do we reclaim what's uh, what was already ours? What was already ours over two hundred years ago? Mm -hmm. We came here and we claimed it and we gave it up. We lost it. Mm -hmm. We get we spiraled into nihilism and apathy and just let charlatans take over. You know, this is an, a huge failure of of the American dream. This is of the American project. It's supposed to be the greatest project, the greatest experiment on earth, you know, in in terms of how to build a society and how to get people to work together. And ultimately, we fucking failed because we stopped caring. There weren't enough voices in our ears reminding us who we are and and why we're here what we're actually here for. So many people are caught up in the shallow bullshit. It really is that, like, like, st step back for a minute. Like, what are we really trying to do here? What, what's, what's the goal of all this? Is it just to install a, an ideology or a party in place that, you know, in the current system is going to be able to get almost nothing done just because of the obstructionist nature of how our government works when the Democrats are in power, the Republicans do everything they can to shut them down. When the Republicans are in power, the Democrats do everything they can to shut them down. No actual progress is being made um, in this country, which is why we're decades behind on a whole slew of shit. You know, it, it's, uh, 
Yeah. yeah. It, it really just is about returning to core principles and, and bringing humanity back into the conversation. So I'm fucking so thrilled that there is somebody like pe- many people out there engage and actually running to try and, you know, play the ground game on a smaller level in their own little neighborhood. I think that's so fucking important. And we need to continue that. Yeah. We need to be pushing every single fucking candidate. Like, what do you think of, what do you think of universal basic income? What do you think? Like, how would you transform our democracy in a way that makes it easier for people to participate, not harder? How would you make it easier to vote? You know, yeah. how, like, what, what are your actual plans for solving this? And none of them really have any. So, yeah. It, well, Andrew had a bunch of fucking really good ones, so we just need yeah. to run with those, man. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and take so, them everywhere and detach them from his personality because this is not about him. It's a this yeah. is the fundamental challenge of the twenty first century. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And so, given that, if if you do look at our platform on our website, davidkim twenty twenty dot com, um, that a lot of them are are, I mean, there's there's some that are, um might reflect other candidates, not presidential candidates, but other congressional candidates platforms. But then there's a lot, a lot of them are from Andrew Yang's um, Humanity First platform as well, in addition to um, uh, let's other, other candidates as well. But, but I think um, going back to um, like with democracy dollars and all of that, but going back to what you had said of returning back to the basic core human principles and values, I think what what happened for us, like in America, um, and and an MLK pointed this out too in his book, Where Do We Go From Here? He was just saying like, I mean, like the government, we do all that we can. We start with the good intentions, and then when we sort of go in the implementation of it all, that's where we sort of fuck it up. But I mean, he doesn't use the words "fuck it up," but I somehow <laughs> paraphrase that. But he basically said like, but. So in the instance with all these safety net programs, um, they and all these all these solutions that we aim to do, they end up solving everything else first before addressing the core issue and problem and crux of why uh, that solution was implemented in the first place. And so he advocates for UBI in there as well. But I think. And he was kind of um, warning about the perils of of what what would happen if we don't address income inequality. And but then fast forwarding like with a 30 year plus income disparity and inequality, I think what's happened is this um, prioritization of short term maximization of corporate profits where uh, 30 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, when a, when a corporation uh, was in its community, it not only had a duty of loyalty to its shareholders, it had a duty of, uh, of loyalty and faith to the communities that we were in uh, for their benefit as well. But now um, the only rule and, and uh, law of the land for them is to maximize as much profits for their shareholders as possible at the expense of the people. So if, if we have carcinogenic food like that's fine because it's for the maximization of of profits for corporate interests and so that's where we have cancer causing (laughs) substances in our food that's why we have harmful chemicals in our pesticides and all of that and so it's kind of come to the spiraling down in like this whole um another example of that plainly is like where the people's apathy sort of kind of grew and grew where we ended up not doing anything about it where where like for example when you have um i think not i think but back in the days um for corp um, when when ultimately for retirement there were three pillars of retirement one would be our personal savings one would be social security um social um and one would be pensions company pensions um so pensions were an actual legit thing and are actually a legit thing in other countries as well but yet in the u.s this idea of pensions has disappeared it's vanished disappeared in thin air so now these three pillars are now two pillars and now these two pillars might end up being one pillar um in the sense of the social security but then also in the second the other first pillar savings our people don't have savings like our people do not have savings 78 percent of people live month to month um a majority of them are laden with student debt meta debt like like there's no pillars of anything for anybody for any of our humans living or any of the u.s citizens or americans living here in america and so it's just kind of realizing holy crap guys like 
<laughs> like we really need to stand up for our rights. We really need to recognize um, the people and 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 return back to those core principles, like what you just said. And I think that's something that um, the masses are recognizing and connecting to, and that's why you have the Yang Gang surge, and that's why he's come this far, and like, and that's why you have like thirty plus. UBI candidates running for Congress across the nation. Um, and that's why you have like, um, just, just these people like, like, like me, a non-politician, just, um, I'm, I'm a in-house music. I, I used, I, well, I quit my job two weeks ago just to full time, um, for various reasons. Um, but I mean, I'm a music attorney and I just started practicing immigration. Like, um, I'm not in politics, but now it's like, dude, no one else is running then I'm going to run. And it was, it's kind of with that mentality because time is ticking and like, we need to save our country. We need to bring our, our values back to the human race. And so, um, and so that's why we're all running. And so I'm, I'm very, looking forward and eager to not just our election, but elections all across the country on Super Tuesday and, and, and in the subsequent elections to come in New York and, and elsewhere. And so I think this year is going to be really different. By the end of the year, we'll definitely see and look back and, and say, wow, this year was a year that we sort of woke up and, and really connected with, with the values and, and heart inside of us as well. Um, so and and so and, and and a great example of that is this podcast that you have. <laughs> so so right on with that. Good job, Jenny. It's about, it's about reminding people what it means to be American first, okay? Because that that does resonate strongly. Reclaiming our patriotism, that's that is unilaterally nonpartisan. I mm-hmm. think we can all get on board right. with that. Right. So so fundamentally reminding people what it means to be an American and remind people of what America is to the world and, but fundamentally what it is to be human. Mm -hmm. That, that's the, that's the deeper thing. And I think that this, this strategy, this is how we change the world. I mean, you look at the other ideas on the table and there's lots of, there's lots of them. Sure. But for anyone in the Yang gang will contest to this. They're like, no, that is the most powerful fucking super weapon that anybody has ever invented for political discourse. And we absolutely need to do it. So thank you so fucking much for being a warrior in this uh, battle for the future of democracy. It's it's it it is the fight of a fucking lifetime. And it, it's going to take people who might not be the the perfect you know, messenger, the perfect person, but it takes those people being brave enough to stand up. I mean, I've said this on my own show. Like I, I know I'm not the right messenger on like most of this shit, but somebody has to stand up and just giving that, you know, that message of hope and confidence and, you know, like, no, your voice absolutely does fucking matter. Um, and you should speak up. It's, yeah, it's step one, man. It's step one to, the Star Trek future that we've all been dreaming of and been sitting here going like, fuck, why is our government like 60 years behind on everything? Like, nothing gets Seriously. done. Seriously. If nothing ever gets done. Like, oh my God. if we'd embrace oh these ideas, if we'd embrace these ideas in the 60s, like imagine the fucking utopia we'd live in. It'd be like the goddamn Jetsons. It's just like, we need to really look at what the problems actually are. Of course, money in politics is a huge problem. Corruption is a huge problem. But the main problem with an, a non-functioning democracy is the people who make it up. If they're not participating, the, there, there's you can have the loudest minority. If there's only 12 people in the room who are fighting for fucking real change and the other 10,000 are off on their phones on Twitter or something, you know, caring about stupid bullshit. It's it's just like it. It feels like a fucking. Uh, oh, God, what's the word? Uh, it, it feels like futile, you know, it, and, but it takes yeah. it takes more people standing up, more people saying, you know, like, no, fuck this. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care if you're an establishment. I don't care if you have, you know, uh, millions of dollars in corporate backing. I don't care if you essentially bought your way into this election. <coughs> cough, Mike Bloomberg. Cough. <coughs> it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you, like. Where's your math? Put up or shut up. Where's your humanity? You know, like so many people are just like, and this is, this is so fucking great. Cause Tulsi came out with like, yeah, you know, and Andrew, thank you, Andrew. You know, like I'm going to adopt universal basic income. And like, 
a small percentage of the Yang gang was like, fuck yeah, Tulsi. And I'm like, okay, Tulsi, well, let's see your mouth. <laughs> you know, like, let's see it. Like, did she don't, don't add, just, you, did you, she you, add it to her platform <laughs> or no? Like on the website? I I haven't looked at it yet, but it, it, uh, it doesn't seem it, genuine. It doesn't seem genuine. And the Yang gang is going to be the first fucking people to call her out if it's remotely means tested if it you know there's get caps on it for income or whatever right. uh, which is what what the establishment is going to try and do like bernie i could imagine bernie's campaign taking on ubi but only for x y and z people only with like a heavy shitload of means testing that's dehumanizing and it's 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 not good enough sorry like do yeah. the thing or or don't like so it, it's it really is just like we have the tools we have the the weapons now to fight for democracy we have the language to talk about it in and fuck andrew thank you so much for giving us the it's such an amazing gift it really is because you hear the same thing coming from you know like we sound like crunchy liberals uh, I'm from San Diego, you know, so I grew up in, in California. I'm a crunchy liberal, but like we're saying stuff that sounds exactly the same as like super right wing staunch Republicans who came to the same conclusion. And if America can't see the value in that, then yeah. I don't Yeah, I don't and know what to say. I think it's I think it's super silly, this whole party thing, too, to be I mean, obviously, you you probably agree as well, like what you mentioned earlier. But like, I just think it's so silly, because in the sense of um, I grew up, I grew up Republican, because my, I don't know that our, our household was like that my dad, mom, my brother, me. Um, and it's only later that um, I like, joined the Democratic Party and, and whatnot. But if I were to like take my, if I were to just register, like, let's say if I could just, I don't know, just snap my fingers and, and my whole campaign materials registration are all Republican. Like, <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think just because, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering how that now, now kind of, I guess I'm kind of piggybacking on the question you had posed is, what if Andrew had run Republican? What would have happened to like, I wonder, and, and so you kind of questioned that. And now I'm just kind of thinking, huh, what would I, what would have happened if I had run as Republican, like with the same exact campaign and platform, how would that have ended up? And I think, and I, <laughs> it's, so it's kind of funny, but kind of posing that question and thinking about it, I think my answer to that would be, I think our platform would still win in the end or, or, um, or at least make top two. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking that we're going to win um, and, and we're really in this to win it, but, but I'm thinking that it'll still prevail the platform in and of itself, despite what party it is under, because I mean, I think what you nailed it on was, are we connecting with what makes us human and like what those values are within us and like are we connecting with that compassion heart to heart in that sense and like and that's that's what our platform was kind of really focused on on representing and being and so like even for our committee name I, um like on our federal on any ads that we put out we have to put our paid for by like andrew yang's was i think friends of yang paid for by friends of yang um and then donald trump's is paid for by make america great again committee um, um but then ours is paid for by david kim for congress financial freedom love and justice for all um and so on all on all posters on all campaign yard signs on all literature that we hand out we always have that just to remind people of and like when people i remember um, when somebody saw the word love, they were like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a politician talk about love on their literature. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, and, and, and love actually looks like something like when we say I love you to our husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, it's not just a word. There's always something uh, like a power or energy or force behind that. There's something to show for it. Love isn't just words. Love actually has to look like something in action. And so to me, when we elect people to office, the love that they show for us is to be able to implement and to help our people and to help us in actual measures that really kind of lift us up and see us all as equal human beings in that sense. And so that's what 
the element that we felt was missing and from from campaigns from offices from from the government so that's why on our website we've like even divided up our different campaign issues under those three pillars of financial freedom love and justice what does that mean what does that look like because we can't just throw words here and there like it actually tangibly looks like something and so so yeah so that's what our platform's really about and like i thank you so much for even giving us um the platform to be able to even share um, like right here, right now with you and, and with all those listening right now. And, and I think to, to, to increase awareness, to increase that human connection with each other, like why not just go ahead and share this podcast on your, on your page, on your social media page or, or go send it to somebody. And, and I think it's kind of, kind of reconnecting and rekindling each each other's fires in that sense as well during this whole process so so this is really good jenner yeah well thank you man i i discovered this with andrew because like the the thing that most people if they're let's let's sarcastically call them skeptics okay because real skeptics would interrogate their skepticism <laughs> the people who are who just discount andrew's campaign completely oh it's a pipe dream that'll never work they never bothered to fucking listen to the guy for an hour why don't you go listen to him and have a long-form conversation on a joe rogan or on a sam harris or on something like that because that long form getting to know somebody as an actual person hearing their voice hearing their mannerisms hearing their passion and their their humanity come out through their voice like in in a way that's not this prepackaged, corporatized, you know, tidbit of like here's here's a sentence that describes me. I'm like, no, I'd much rather just have you on the show and get to know you for a little bit and let the listener get to know you a little bit because that's exactly how Andrew blew up. So I I am hoping this works. I'm fighting for you, buddy. I really hope that you take <laughs> California in a beautiful direction. We'll be we will be fighting for you. So. Craig, Again, this Craig. this was fucking fantastic, man. Thank you so much for for making the time and and coming to share your message with us. Uh, again, we're all still a little kind of in mourning <laughs> over uh, you know the yeah. apparent loss of of the of Andrew's campaign, but it's important to recognize, guys. It's like these ideas are bigger than him. They transcend politics. They transcend culture. They transcend everything it's it's a, a unifying thing that we can't give up on so that that is my uh tiny little nugget of cosmic wisdom to drop you with i've been jenner this has been mind wave please make sure to check out david's uh site davidkim2020.com other than that did you have any final plugs or any last minute uh bits of cosmic wisdom that you wanted to drop on the listener um just be more aware, connect with yourself, connect with each person around you. We just all really need to connect with each other. Um, that's it. Yeah, that really is it. And from the outside, that sounds trite. It sounds like bullshit. It sounds like we're being fake. Um, it, we're not. Like, <laughs> Go watch a kid's movie and cry like a little bitch and then listen to this again and <laughs> then, we'll, then we'll see where we go. Because it again, it goes to that it goes to that apathy, that nihilism. Oh, I don't. That well, can't be real. Yeah, to those who can hear, they'll hear. It's real. <laughs> they they can hear it. Again, thank you so much, man. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You have a really good taste in podcasts, clearly. So you probably also have a good taste in friends and know somebody who would enjoy the show as much as you do. So share the love. It's what we're all about. Special thanks to the friends of the show who make it possible. Rob J. Wilson, Corey Wilcox, Phil Ord, Travis Meyer, Heather Cook, Julia May, and Boone Hemp. Join the Mindwave universe at mindwave.media to be a part of the Mindwave journey with us. Also, make sure to check out the other content creators in the Mindwave sandbox and please help us support their work. Give us a follow on Twitter at Mindwave Podcast. If you think I'm cute, you can follow me at Mindwave Jenner. And if you think I'm annoying, wait until you see my Twitter at Mindwave Josh.
thanks again for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. The Mindwave Podcast is produced by Studio Stargazer. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. <laughs>